TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Haldane. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Hi, TYB. Welcome to Luke 2. I'm going to try and not get so excited this time, I have to say. I just adore reading the Bible. Can you tell? Um, Luke 1 was so rich. I felt like I could go on for another 20 minutes. I feel like Luke 1 sets us up for 400 years of silence and all of a sudden the breaking of that silence with Gabriel coming down and talking to Zachariah and Mary and this beautiful moment where Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Um, That is the response we want. The Holy Spirit is moving so powerfully across these texts. So let's jump into um, Luke 2. Let me read it over you this morning. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house of the and lineage of David, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told um, them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said, said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, 
He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that that the thoughts of, of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> say it every time, TYB. Here we go. We are in the second chapter of Luke, and we are kind of just getting into the nuts and bolts of this story. 400 years of silence. Luke 1. Luke is, is getting all the eyewitnesses' accounts of what happened and what Jesus did and said in his time on earth. Luke 1 is the, the kind of birth stories. Now, let me just jump in for a second. This is what's called a Greek historiography. What does that mean? It's a history, historical account in a very Greek way. In a Greek historiography account, you present the birth of your hero and how that birth impacts um, you know, the, the world at his birth. Then you present this kind of story of how he grew up. And then in, in one pinnacle moment of your account, your Greek account, your hero presents his, his first monologue, his first story. So we are kind of in the middle of that right now. We've gone to the birth account. This is very Greek way of writing. And now we're in what happened when he when he was born? What, what sort of impact was that upon the world around him? So in chapter two, it starts, in those days, Caesar Augustus, again, it's a Gentile document, so it's going to be dated according to um, the Gentile rulers, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Oh, my gosh, I have to say, Caesar Augustus is crazy because the Roman world at this time was huge. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So they have to go back home. It's kind of like doing a, a survey and you have to go back home to take that, that census. Um, it's like voting, <laughs> I have to say. You, you can't do a, you know, an absentee vote here. You've got to go back home and vote. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house. Of, can you see again God's providence over where the Messiah is going to be born? If Caesar didn't issue the decree, would the Messiah have been born in Bethlehem as prophesied or would he have been born in Nazareth? Think about these things when you're reading this text. Caesar Augustus issues this decree and we now have this family moving towards Bethlehem. Now, they may have already have gone to Bethlehem if the census wasn't there because their family was there, but this pinnacle moment where they have to go to Bethlehem for this um census. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Can I say this is a horrendous situation? Um, and I know that they don't give the account in Luke, but they do give the account in the other Gospels where the the, the angel has to go to Joseph to make her marry, him marry Mary because to be pregnant and unwed was a shameful thing in their society. She would have been rejected from society the moment she was showing. She would have been absolutely called a prostitute because she, how else would she be pregnant um, if she hadn't slept and been unfaithful to her husband? And imagine saying it was God. Imagine that moment of saying, no, I wasn't unfaithful. I promise you I'm a good Jewish girl. I wasn't unfaithful. It was God. Try that with your um, parents, teenagers. That's not going to work. So this moment where they, they're carrying her to Bethlehem isn't a woohoo, we're pregnant moment. It's a, oh, my goodness, we're pregnant moment, okay? And he does take her in marriage and to cover her shame, which is very beautiful of Joseph. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, a manger, guys, isn't this cute little um, thing that we do every Christmas in the nativity scene. That is not a manger. <laughs> I'm all for it. It's it's very much the representation of Christmas. But a manger is, in fact, um, the trough to which the, the hay was put in for the animals. Okay, so some say Christ was actually born in a cave. Now, when you go to Jerusalem and you go to the birthplace, um, sorry, of Bethlehem, all the images of the birth of Christ is actually in a cave because that's what they kept the animals in. Not a tent, not a manger, not a shed, as we would call it, kind of like in a cave imagery. Now, whether you, you want to image, imagine him in a cave or imagine him in, in a shed, that's fine. But what it gives is this understanding of lowliness, the understanding of this king was born into a lowly state. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a cow shed or a cow cave, however you want to see it, because there was no guest room available for them. Some actually say that this guest room available for them is this essence of um, not that he was born in a hotel or an inn either. <laughs> guest rooms were part of the family house. So they went to her family um, sorry, so they went to his family and said, hey, she's she's going to be have a baby. And they're like, hey, we've got so many people here at the moment. We really can't put her in the guest room. And she ends up in the manger. Okay, so again, what's your Western thinking of this text? 
And you can have a study that's quite fun. And there were shepherds living out in the fields. Again, know your history. Shepherds were the lowest class of people. I love the book of Luke because the book of Luke shows you that God values the lower class. <laughs> and whoever you think that lower class is, God does not think them in any class, rank or order because he honors the shepherds. For the shepherds in Luke to be the pinnacle eyewitness means that they were so honored by God that they are going to be the ones that he chooses to send an angel to. It's taking the, the low of the society in Luke and raising them up and honoring them, which is very beautiful in this text. Can I say to you, Abby, that's our job as the church. Our job is to go after those who the, 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 even the church and society think are low and go after them and see them vindicated and restored to honor. Anyway, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I feel like singing Christmas carol. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. This moment where the glory comes down on these shepherds, it would have, it would have shocked them. <laughs> and they were terrified, the Bible says. Clearly so. Imagine that moment. You're out just in your job and you're, you're out, with, you know, out with the sheep and you're the lowest of low. And then all of a sudden this light shines down and an angel turns up. And the angel has to say to them, the first thing out of an angel's mouth is do not be afraid because the reaction of standing in front of an angel is fear. He says on this, I bring you good news, uagelion, gospel, good news that, that will cause great joy for all the people. Can I say this good news was normally the good news of the birth of, of um, Caesar. The good news, uagelion, this word was normally used for Things that Caesar did, the birth of Caesar or victory for, uh, that Caesar brought back, that was good news, Uagelion. And he says, I'm just going to change this good news. This isn't, this isn't the good news of the birth of Caesar. This is good news of the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Today in town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Oh, that language of Savior is very Roman, so study that. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's, that's going to be a shock for them. They're like, what? He's in the shed? <laughs> Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared. So not only does the light of glory of the Lord shine, not only does angels appear to, to the shepherds, but then the whole company of angels comes in and starts singing. How cool is this moment? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you hear that? Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, to those on whom his favor rests. His favor is resting on the shepherds, the lowly. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, imagine this moment, let's go to Bethlehem. <laughs> I can guarantee they didn't just say this. This is a biblical form of what they just said. <laughs> and see these things that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is a very glorified version of what the heck just happened? So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. I love this twice, this moment. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You can hear Luke is actually getting this eyewitness account from probably Mary. He's interviewing Mary because we have these Mary moments in, in these chapters that says, everything that was happening, everything that was going on, and Mary was just pondering everything that was happening in her heart. She, she, was, she was watching it. She was keeping a close eye on it. 
is so beautiful. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which were just as how they had been told them. Can you hear the faithfulness of God's promises throughout this text? He's saying the angel tells Zachariah this is going to happen, and it happened. The angel tells Mary this is going to happen, and it happened. The angel tells the shepherds this is going to happen, and it happened. Get that assurity of the word of God in your life today, TYB. When he says it, he does it. Game over. I don't care if it takes 400 years, like I said in the last one, and I don't care in this moment where for 30 years Jesus doesn't do anything or seemingly anything. There's one moment in when he's 12 that we're going to hear about, but for 30 years he's pretty silent. But God's promises over him are still done and declared. Okay, Jesus presented in the temple. I want to read this, and I'm so glad I got to read Chapter 2. This is this beautiful moment. Oh, Simeon and um, Anna, these beautiful Jewish leaders. Now, we all kind of say Gentile, Gentile, Gentile in the book of Luke, but Luke kind of comes in and says, you know what, even to the Jewish leaders, the ones that were listening to the Holy Spirit, he says, this is why, again, Luke acts is all about the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the birth of Christ and his mission and in the disciples' lives, all about the Holy Spirit empowered from the beginning of Luke, not Acts 2, the beginning of Luke. And it says here, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what does that mean? He's waiting for Israel to be restored. He's waiting for the, the Holy Spirit to come back to Israel. He's waiting for the Messiah to come to vindicate Israel. And I love this moment that Luke says, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Oh, beautiful. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So he's prophetic, he can hear that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he's old now. He's still waiting, moved by the Spirit. Can you hear how Luke's saying this beautiful Jewish man was filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, I love it. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. You can imagine this moment. I have seen a painting of this with Simeon and Jesus in my arms. It's actually in my bedroom. Um, Simeon with Jesus in his, in his arms and he's weeping. And you can imagine him weeping. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's basically saying, I'm good. I can die now. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for and revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel. Oh, this moment where this old man has been waiting to see the Messiah and praying and saying, God, don't let me go until I see the Messiah. Don't let me die until I see the Messiah. And this beautiful moment where the promise is fulfilled. And it makes me cry because you can imagine this moment, guys, where he's holding the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has already told him who this child is. He knows in his spirit that this is the Messiah. And God's faithfulness is throughout this whole text that God is faithful no matter how long you need to wait. And then I love this again. We have this moment where Mary marvels at this and watches this. And the prophecy that he prophesies over Christ is quite pertinent. He's saying, look, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. It's not going to be a smooth ride, Mary. It's not going to be easy. Um, so that the thoughts of many of his hearts will be revealed. And then we have this second moment. Again, Simeon's waiting. And then Anna, the daughter of Penal, she's, she's a prophet, this older prophet. And she, again, has, did you hear this, TYB? I have to say, she's very old. She lived with her husband for only seven years. 
and then she's 84. She's been a widow for all that time. That is so crazy. And all of this time, rather than just spending it in sorrow and discouragement, she puts all of that time in God. Can I say, no matter what happens to you in life, if you're divorced, if you're single for a lot longer than what you thought, no matter what happens to you, live your life for the glory of God. This is what Anna did. I love her. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment. This woman who had dedicated her life rather than going and finding another husband and being taken care of, because in this society, she would have been um, take barren. She's a widow. She would have had to be taken care of. She's got no sons to take care of her. So she dedicates her life like Samuel, like Hannah giving Samuel back. She dedicates her life to God, even in the midst of her heartache. She's like, no, I'm going to turn this around for good. I love this woman. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. And you know what? She was honored. Like Simeon was honored in the Jerusalem people, Anna is honored for her faithfulness to God. Again, it says when Mary and Joseph, um, Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned. And it talks about God, Jesus growing up in wisdom and the grace that, of God that was upon him. And then we have the beautiful quick story of Jesus in the temple. Now I have to say this is Parenting 101 Worst Nightmare. <laughs> Imagine Mary giving this account to Luke and going, yeah, so let me tell you about the time that I lost the Messiah. <laughs> it's like, well, we went to Jerusalem to the festival, which is massive, and uh, we thought he was with Uncle Bob, but Uncle Bob didn't have him, and then we ended up for four days he was missing. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe that Mary actually says this, to be honest. This would be like the, the, the family story that never gets told, but Mary's like, you know what, when we found him, he was very happy in his father's house. Oh, my gosh, this is parenting fail. But again, we have this moment at the end where it says Mary kind of when Jesus responds and he says, didn't you know that I had to be? He knew at 12 who he was. Oh, my goodness, people. He knew at 12 what he was about to do. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, where they needed to add that because he was very un, un disobedient at this point, staying in Jerusalem. <laughs> but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Again, the account of Mary. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Oh, are you loving this? I am loving doing these podcasts of these book of Luke. We have these beautiful moments where we're kind of watching our hero grow and the people are coming out of the woodwork and Simeon's waiting for the Messiah and he's saying, this is the Messiah. Anna is, is this pro prophetic woman that says, this is him. And we have this moment of Mary recounting and everything is kind of on Mary's, Mary's um, viewpoint. Mary's story according to bringing up the Messiah. Yeah, I lost him once, Parenting Fail 101, but I knew every time that there was something special about this child. There you go, guys, Luke 2. I hope you're loving it. I cannot wait to continue in the book of Luke.